0: retro hangover is supported via patreon by listeners like you we would especially like to thank our 16-bit tier subscribers lyle mccarns and ashton ruby your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated thank you
1: Open your ears and crack some beers. You're listening to episode 66 of Retro Hangover.
0: Retro and classic gamers, welcome to the podcast where we are doubling down on dawdling dongs with duplicitous depictions of delicious Doritos. This is episode 66 of the Retro Hangover Podcast. I'm your co-host, Chris Copline, with, as always, your host, Shane. Delicious Devil Dick Dragon
1: Koski, man, have you been like? Have you been training? Are you are you doing some like swimming? Are you doing laps? That's that's a lot of that's a lot of breath control. Right I there. could
0: have done it longer. Should I try next time? I think I'll try next time.
1: Well, you know that that's that's probably okay. I think I think the listeners are sufficiently impressed. If I if I had to guess, if you,
0: I get I get inspiration from SNES Drunk, If anyone watches that YouTube channel where he just had this long intro and just held it for like four minutes. And then his review was like 30, like five seconds and said, no, it's great. It's like,
1: (laughs) actually, it's funny you bring that up. I was, I was just watching some of his videos today. As a matter of fact, I do like some SNES drunk. I do. I do. He's also got some really great, um, like music compilation videos that he's put together. He's got some, uh, super Nintendo, like relaxing music comps that are really great for like putting on in the background while you're working. So, ah.
0: That should be fun. So if SNES drunk, if you listen to this just just give us a give us a holler. And Yeah, uh,
1: ne- next time we do a Snes game, we'll, we'll just we'll totally have you on, bring you on. And it could that's be right. just
0: you cuz my internet will probably drop in the middle of it. It'll be great times.
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah, living in the year of our Lord 2020 and yet the internet still sucks balls. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But it
0: but at least the world's on fire, so everything will be fine soon.
1: Yeah, no, that's That's fine. Actually, you know, now that I think about it, I feel like I had less disconnect issues back in the day when I was using just a dial-up modem. Like, I feel like those were more reliable. I would have to
0: not disagree with you. I think that's a very astute observation. Mm. But in Uh, any case, today, today, we are Mm -hmm. going to be talking about Diablo, so I I think we have a good show in store for you. If we don't, uh, listen to the whole thing and let us know that it was not good.
1: (laughs) But... (laughs) please make sure you listen to the end and then you know provide feedback accordingly
0: right because if you don't listen to the end how are you gonna let us know uh how much it does not suck wow we are really hyping this up in the case this is Diablo 2 uh, we are going to be talking about Diablo 2 and all the it's fucking uh,
1: Diablo 2 man okay listen I'm super Diablo hyped. II. I'm super hyped for this okay I, I, I know, know you, you are. I know you're not as much but this thing this this this, this my this is my baby. This is I my, know. Little, my little
0: fiery hell-spawned baby. I, I'm going to try and pretend as be as hu- to be as hyped about this episode as I was about the game back in 2000. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Um, not, not, that's not like me saying this game is bad, but we'll, we'll talk more about that later. Um, God damn it. Because I don't believe it's bad. <laughs> I don't. But we'll move on. Um, so, in any case, Shane, how have you been yes. doing in this incredible time to be living in right now and what have you been playing
1: uh you know i've been okay i've been okay um getting a lot of stuff done around the property in preparation for um eventually you know moving somewhere else probably within the next couple months here and uh hoping to to rent out the the buildings that are here currently so we had a bunch of stuff we need to do to kind of get those ready for that um putting up fencing and you know fixing up buildings and buying appliances and all that really great adult shit that uh kind of has to be done i guess so it's like uh it's like animal crossing but for real and far more expensive it's weird Um, it's like
0: animal crossing got its inspiration from real life or something
1: i know I'm just waiting for the anthropomorphic raccoon to show up and demand his rent check. That's why they come to your trash. That's why we have trash pandas.
0: That's that's how uh, they collect. Yes. I see.
1: I need I need to leave payment in the trash bin outside.
0: Sure, let me know when you put it out there and I will record it for posterity.
1: Right. Yeah. Just it'll magically disappear. It's like the tooth fairy. Right. But yeah. reverse. <laughs> they the what? The, the raccoons leave teeth. So like they a leave, warning, they leave a bell. <laughs> oh, right, bells gotcha. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, that's that's real life stuff. Um, as far as games, uh, it's a lot of the same. I'm, I'm trying to wrap up a couple of things because, uh, at the time of this recording, the four job fiesta has sort of officially not officially begun.
0: I noticed um, that
1: too. Yeah, that's super weird. Like, listen, I'm I'm all about this, and it gives me a really great excuse to just play Final Fantasy V because I never have. But I will say that some of the rules around this whole Fiesta thing seem, uh, maybe not super concrete and or not very clear. But that's okay. Um, I guess it's officially started now for all intents and purposes. So I have begun my run. I rolled white mage for my first job. So all four of the characters in my party are rolling as white mages right now, which is an interesting way to play this game for the first time, but it's, it's been okay so far. I, I got a whole lot of cure magic going on that that's for damn sure
0: at least you'll always be healed.
1: I mean, yeah, you know, I, I'm saving Gil on potions is really the way I look at it. Mm. Um, but yeah, so kind of kicked that off. And I, like I said, I was trying to wrap up some other things in anticipation of starting the, the four job fiesta. So I'm like right at the end of, uh, kingdom hearts recoded on my, on my 3ds. I technically would have already been done by now, but you know me, I'm a completionist. So I had to go through a whole bunch of really grindy extra shit to finish up the stuff I wanted to finish up in that game. But I think I've maybe got a day or two left and Uh I will be done with that. So that's cool. And um, I am purposefully trying not to start any other games right now because I want to focus my time on uh, on FF5 and and get that run done. So so that's where I'm at. What about you, Chris?
0: Well, I have not started Final Fantasy V for the four job fiesta. My first role was uh, the Blue Mage. So that's a really good role, actually, because there are certain bosses that if you get the abilities, you can just cheese the fuck out of. So from what I understand, you can very happy much, for you. Yeah, you can play Blue Mage pretty much exclusively for through the entire game. It's it's <laughs> that cheesy or it can be. So I'm looking forward to this run. I think it's going to be fun. But this is a reminder to go to the well, by the time you listen to this the final fantasy V for job vs yes, will be going for a bit but listen to it uh not listen to it jesus christ uh play it next year and go for it next year this year there the uh all funds that are going to be donated for charity because this is a charity event are going to the minnesota freedom front to remind everybody that yes while all lives matter all lives matter cannot matter until black lives matter as a reference to the murder of george floyd that happened in minneapolis and the subsequent protests And that is what the money for the four job fiesta is going for. So it is going for for a good cause. It is going to uh, promote all of us in this world getting better and to shine a light on the injustices that happen within our country. And I do think we do have to say that uh, is because we do have a platform and that does need to be recognized. And that's just where I'm coming from with that.
1: I I wholeheartedly agree. I also just say real quick that. Even, even though you might be a little late getting into the, the Fiesta by the time you hear this episode, like if you really wanted to, A, you could totally still do it. You can just go to forejobfiesta.com and you can check it out and do what you need to do there. Uh, and or you could still pledge donations like that. Absolutely. There's nothing tying you to having to do anything like you can just pledge some money to that fund whether you do it or not. And so please consider that as well.
0: Absolutely. But like I said, I have not started playing playing yet. I have not started my run officially, but I have completed Well, I, I beat. I'm not going to say completed. I have beat uh, Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. And I, I I hate to say this. This is like almost sacrilegious. So I have to really I have to build myself up. I have to try not to offend people uh, who really like this game. Uh, mm-hmm. Wasn't everything that I was told it was hmm in my again just the way i played it uh very backtracky uh and monotonous in its execution however it like it has has a lot of charm there's so much charm in that game i really really wanted to like it more but i just felt like it the pacing was weird it wasn't as good i know i'll probably have to do a, a rapid fire review for this i'm going to do one anyway but it just, it wasn't the game I thought it was going to be. Everyone says this was the best game in the series. Everyone says that this is a masterpiece for the GameCube. And I just wasn't feeling it, man. Uh, hmm. Like, it, like I had to force myself to play it at times. And every time I did, I had a decent time. But there was just points in, like, can we just fucking move on? Like, just let's just <laughs> fucking, can we, can we, we're in a rut right now. This is fucking boring. I'm, I'm ready to do something else. And I felt like. I had that too much with the game. I I I there's no other way I could really explain it. And then mm. like there'd be a moment of brilliance and be like, oh wow, that's fucking awesome. I love it. And then I'd be back to just doing monotonous shit. I don't know. Um I, I know this is extremely, extremely sacrilegious with Paper Mario fans, but I had more fun with Super Paper Mario for the week. And I, I enjoyed myself far more with much more with that. And a lot of people didn't like that game, but I did. So there's that, and like I said, I'm I'm going to do a review for our 16-bit tier patrons. Uh, um, so if you want to hear that full review when I when I put it out there, uh, go ahead and head to our Patreon and see what that's all about. And you can find out how to get that get that sweet, sweet, sweet rapid fire review that we do for our patrons every week. Right, Shane?
1: That's right. So I'm curious. We haven't. I haven't seen it, but I might have missed it. There there isn't a release date for Origami King yet, is there? If there is, I'm not paying close enough attention to
0: be able to tell you what that would be.
1: Okay, well, because I'm I'm just thinking about it like I'm sure you'll you'll do your rapid fire review on it. But honestly, I think that's the kind of game that that may actually warrant a full episode, which of course means I'm going to have to go play it as well because I have never played that one. But I feel like that one is significant enough that we may just end up doing a, a full blown RHP episode on it at some point. But we'll see. We are talking thousand year door not origami king. Uh, yes, yes, in case that okay. wasn't clear. Yeah. We <laughs> we are in fact a retro game podcast, so yeah, fuck it. Yeah. It's it's a throwback. We'll we'll just lump it in cuz it feels retro. Yeah. But I get what you're saying about like the feeling like you are obligated to finish it. I mean, that's that's I've had to I've had to train myself to realize that there are times where I just need to stop playing a game and like that that's uh the first thing that comes to mind for me is like assassin's creed black flag everything about that game i should i should like it i should be super into that game like Uh everything about it speaks to exactly the kind of crap that i would like and yet for some reason i have tried to start that game at least three times from scratch now and i just cannot do it I don't know what it is. It just doesn't hold my attention. And so at some point I just uninstalled it for the last time and was like, I'm just never going to play this game. And it sucks because I feel like I'm kind of giving up on an experience. But at the same time, I'm just like, I, I have so many other things that I could be playing. Why am I going to force myself to do this just out of some sort of, I don't know, sense of obligation, I guess. Mm-hmm. But so I, I totally get where you're coming from, though.
0: My, my feelings are a little bit different in, in the fact that it wasn't even so much that I wasn't hating myself for playing it. Cause I recognize it's still a good game, right? It sure. was just, sometimes I'd be playing for three hours and, and the game is divided into chapters mm-hmm. and the chapters just kind of go on for too long. But I recognize like I'm having fun when I'm playing it. I just wish it would get to the point a little fucking faster. I'm tired of going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But once it gets mm-hmm. to the resolution, I'm like, Oh, okay, that's cool. I'm, I'm like, there's points when I get to them, like I'm having fun. But then when I'm not playing it, I'm not feeling to myself, I got to go back and I got to play it, which like I haven't had that feeling like after playing Final Fantasy VII Remake that that game gave me that feeling again, like, oh, I got to go play that game. I got to continue it on. And I didn't get that from Thousand Year Door. And to me, that's the mark of a, of a classic. That's the mark of a truly classic game. When you sit down and play it, and you're like, I, I can't wait to play it again. That's when you know you're playing a really good game.
1: Right. Well, speaking of classic games that uh, you just want to go back to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Diablo 2 is definitely one of those. At least, at nice least for me. Nice segue. Ah, thank you. I As uh, I rambled too much. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. You know what? I don't want to go into it just yet because this is going to be like my personal experiences and stuff like that. But of course. Um, I, I got a lot to say about this one.
0: I know, Shane, that you do have a lot to say. And this game is your baby. So I don't think there's any question about who today is going to be giving us a brief history. So without further ado, Shane, why don't you give us a brief history of Diablo 2?
1: Capitalizing on success is something that we are used to in the video game industry, sometimes to an exhausting degree. Capitalizing on success and not only meeting, but exceeding expectations, well, that's something different altogether. A sequel that surpasses its predecessor is exceedingly rare, but that is precisely what Diablo II, Blizzard Entertainment's dark hack and slash action RPG follow-up to 1997's smash hit Diablo, managed to achieve. The team at Blizzard North, the division responsible for Diablo II's development, began with very little in the way of direction. In the words of project leader Eric Schaefer, Diablo II never had an official, complete design document. For the most part, we just started making up new stuff. This would turn out to be a bit of an understatement, at best. Diablo II greatly expanded on the groundbreaking blueprint laid out by the initial entry in the series. While the first game tasked players with exploring 16 levels of randomly generated dungeons, descending from the ruined cathedral on the outskirts of the village of Tristram to the depths of hell itself, the sequel would see players venturing far beyond the familiar borders of Kanduras. The quest to stop the three primevals, Diablo, Mephisto, and Baal, from reuniting required adventurers to trek across the great deserts of Aranach, delve into the jungle temples of Kejistan, and soldier forth once again into the very heart of the Burning Hells. The world of Sanctuary would not be the only thing to see significant evolution. In place of the first title's relatively straightforward character classes, Warrior, Rogue, and Wizard, Diablo II presented players with five new, much more nuanced classes to slay demons with. The Amazon, Necromancer, Sorceress, Barbarian, and Paladin. To add even further to the diversity of play, each class now boasted its own unique skill tree, offering players a multitude of ways to customize their characters' abilities. Additionally, the game introduced AI companions, known as hirelings, to assist in the systematic cleansing of hellspawn from the countryside. Of all the elements from the original Diablo that Blizzard North preserved and expanded upon, perhaps the most important, at least in terms of the game's longevity, would be its companion Battle.net online multiplayer service. Apart from having one of the best top-level domain names ever, Battle.net, known more casually as simply Bnet, allowed players to chat, play, trade, and PvP with other adventurers from around the world, all in real time. Initially planned for a Q1 launch in 1998, Blizzard North would end up requiring over three years to complete Diablo II. Interestingly, despite sharing less than 1% of the code base of Diablo and being written almost entirely from scratch, initial playtesters would say that the game felt too much like the original. That sentiment, however, would not be shared by an overwhelming majority of the gaming press once the game hit shelves on June 29th of 2000. Global sales of Diablo II would surpass 2 million units in less than three months, with the game receiving PC Game of the Year awards from numerous gaming publications. Not once to rest on their laurels, Blizzard would solidify Diablo 2 as the action RPG by which all others would be measured on June 27th of 2001, with the release of the game's first and only expansion pack, Lord of Destruction. Adding two brand new character classes, the shape-shifting druid and the stealthy assassin, an entire fifth act to the story that takes place in the heretofore unexplored frigid reaches of the barbarian highlands. Hundreds of new items, powerful rune words, jewels, higher gameplay resolution, and so much more, Lord of Destruction took an already excellent game and elevated it to heights that few others have ever reached. While the original Diablo may have laid the essential groundwork, Diablo II would go on to define the modern dungeon crawler. Blizzard North's core idea of expansion and refinement separated Diablo II from its predecessor and provided a much more robust and complete experience by, quite literally, putting the devil in the details. And that is your Brief History of Diablo II.
0: thank you, Shane. That was a great history right there. I
1: don't know what else to say. That was was terrible. Well, uh, thank you. Um, I mean, you, you wrote most of it. So I, I just, I added some stuff. I just, so this, this is a little like peek behind the, the retro hangover curtain for the, for, for our listeners. But, uh, (laughs) so Chris is usually one that, uh, graciously writes our show notes for us. And for this one, he was just like, uh, I feel like I did it, but I fucking don't know anything about this game. So you might want to look at it. And I was like, all right, okay. Uh, I, I embellished a lot of stuff in there and, and this is one of the few that I didn't even necessarily need to look up a whole lot of info on. It was just kind of a brain dump because most of this, I, I know kind of like the back of my hand, So,
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just going to kind of give a little prelude to, how I'm going to be on this conversation really is probably just asking Shane questions because um, I don't know as much about this game as Shane did. My experience with this is very very limited, so <laughs> I'm going to feel really awkward. Probably have the situation I put Shane in a lot, so I guess uh, it's my turn. Ha ha ha! Yeah, ha, ha this, me.
1: this is this is in response to uh, the the episode with Ryan where you guys just talked about jrpgs for like 30 minutes and i just drank soda and and listened
0: (laughs) totally weebed out about our waifus but in any case uh so i guess uh as we transition i guess it'd probably be more appropriate for me to tell my first experience with diablo sure considering that yours is probably much more interesting so i did play this game when it first came out um i did get the the initial diablo 2 Uh, and like there was a lot of hype for it i do remember there being an absolute a lot of hype for diablo 2 because the original diablo it did take you know capture the imaginations of a lot of people who not only pc gamers as if you've heard in our uh, diablo episode if you go back and listen to that but not just pc gamers but console gamers Mm -hmm. the original diablo was very very accessible so getting into Diablo 2 because here you had it it was the sequel but this was peak Blizzard so you had Warcraft 2 and Warcraft 2 battlenet edition was already out and mm-hmm. I know that Shane called it battle.net I've always called it battlenet
1: I mean it's 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 interchangeable
0: right right was was Starcraft I think starcraft was out by this point
1: uh for yeah it was because starcraft I think it was like 99 98 or 99, it 99.
0: yeah 98 99 but Battle.net was really established with StarCraft, so you were at peak Blizzard. Everyone who played video games at this point, for the most part, if you were more in the hardcore gaming, they knew Blizzard. Oh, yeah. So Diablo 2 was a momentous release for a lot of people that bought it. And uh, as, as Shane said in in the brief history, and if he didn't, uh, I'll, I'll restate it. This was the fastest selling PC game when it came out at, of that time. It, it sold Units faster than any other PC game at that moment. And I know that was only like 2 million units in, in two months or something like that. But you have to remember, PC gaming was, it was a different demographic. It was different completely. So for it to sell that many units, that was a big, big, big deal. And I was part of that. And we'll go more into my reaction about how I felt back then as we go into how we felt about the game. But there, there's no denying the, the hype around the game back at its release was was crazy for a PC game, especially me being a primarily console gamer. I don't think I've ever been that hype for a PC game from that time or really any other time in in my life. Now, of course, I haven't don't haven't really played Half-Life and a lot of other PC games. Of course, I'm not a PC gamer, but that that is specifically probably the most hype I've ever felt for a PC game in my entire gaming life was Diablo 2.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you're talking about the sales figures and and you're right. Like by today's standards, 2 million is like, I mean, it's good, right? But it's not anything momentous. But at the time, particularly for a a PC only title, um, I mean, to illustrate that we didn't include it in the brief history, though you did originally have it in the notes that uh, this this actually earned a spot in the 2000 edition of the Guinness Book of World Re- World Records for um, for its sales. Like this was a huge deal, and and you're right, like a lot of people, especially now and and you know younger gamers that are playing things like Overwatch or or something like that, they know a very different Blizzard than the rest of us. Um, I. I feel like actually I won't say I feel like I'm going to say right now and everybody can hold me to it that we will at some point do like an industry episode on blizzard entertainment because it is a actually a very interesting story. But blizzard back then was like infallible. They were like the top of the pile. As far as PC gamer uh, developers go, they were so well regarded that most people, PC gamers who you asked would, without a hesitation, tell you that they would buy a Blizzard game sight unseen just because their reputation was that good.
0: Well, just like SquareSoft during the same time period.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I was one of those people. You know, it's part of the reason that I I I, I feel like a personal kind of stab in the back with how blizzard is now mostly thanks to activision and uh and and their management not that they're the only ones vivendi was kind of shitty too but uh blizzard was just one of the one of the greats in in the pc game space and they are for all intents and purposes kind of a shell of what they used to be but that that is for a different episode um but yes, everything you said was 100% accurate. And being someone who played the original Diablo quite a bit on my awesome Compaq Presario family home computer, the giant light gray brick looking thing, <laughs> um, I, I was super hyped for this. Uh, I think the only other thing that I had ever been this excited for as far as like a PC game release probably was the either burning crusade or wrath of the lich king expansions for world of warcraft those were right Mm. up there but but this is definitely one of the top ones uh for sure and you got it at launch of course uh yes yes i did because like i said i i had been waiting for this to happen um i had already started you know my subscription to pc gamer magazine by this point and uh so they were hyping the shit out of this of course um with like you know full like front page treatment with like a full spread inside of everything they knew about it leading up to the release and so i i was prepped and ready for this thing to come out and quite honestly as far as my experience with this goes uh it hasn't really stopped. Like I, I've, I have played this on and off in some fashion from the day it released back in 2000 up until literally today. So, if, if that says anything about it at all,
0: well, I, uh, that's kind of a bit of foreshadowing towards the end of the episode.
1: <laughs> but, I don't. Listen, I don't think anybody. I don't think anyone had any like reservations as to what I was going to say about whether I would recommend this game or not, just for the record.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, moving forward, let's uh, just just kind of get into our own experiences with this game and let's let's talk about it. Sure. So uh, one of the things that I I have to admit is I've never made it really far into this game. And I've had this conversation with, with Shane before, if I'm going to play a Diablo it's it's probably going to be the first one. I, I can always go back to it. And of course, this is not me slamming the game, but there's a lot of new additions to this game that are actually amazing additions like the skill tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, the skill tree is just it, it. it's pretty much defined a lot of what you get with action RPGs today. I mean, if you look at Torchlight, Torchlight is essentially a copy paste of Diablo.
1: Well, um, I mean, to be fair, the Torchlight team also is composed of people from blizzard north for the record but yes
0: right but it is a copy paste regardless i I get that yeah yeah
1: yeah. Yeah, for sure
0: but you you get that with a lot of dungeon crawlers in general you just you get this here's a skill tree you you have it in world of warcraft Mm -hmm. it's essentially kind of the same thing not anymore
1: but yeah Uh, originally yes
0: and that was really an industry setting way of developing your character's and how you do it, you kind of see remnants of it in modern day Final Fantasy with the um, skill tr- with the uh, the sphere grid in Final Fantasy X, uh, the license grid in Final Fantasy XII, uh, the gristarium in Final Fantasy 13, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck Final Fantasy XV was doing. Um, <laughs> and uh, the Final Fantasy 7 remake has it with the weapons. And I know I just said all oh, a bunch of Final Fantasy games, so that's the most I can relate to. So it has extended out beyond that
1: yeah i mean every almost every single action rpg that has ever been released since this game has some flavor of a skill tree you're you're absolutely right and some of them have expanded on it uh for better or worse um i will say that i played path of exile for a while and i know a lot of people love that game and with very good reason actually a lot of people consider that to be the unofficial sequel to diablo 2 um in many ways but uh the skill system in that one is fucking bananas in that it is just this giant expansive sphere grid thing that is just i I, it's it's hard to wrap your head around um and so there's definitely complexity there but uh you know there's like grim dawn or yeah torchlight as you mentioned Uh, titan quest Uh, there's just so many of them and they all have some very minor variation of this exact system and so that really speaks to just how influential this whole skill tree thing was because honestly it hasn't really even changed that much in the last 20 years
0: yeah and that's and that's that skill tree really really defines you know that character class you develop and I, i see in your notes and i know you can probably talk a lot about this uh, and one of the more problematic things about the skill tree is you can fuck it up. Oh yeah. It's very possible to to make your gameplay experience actually quite shit if you don't <laughs> know what you're doing.
1: Yeah, that's actually one of the things that um I, I would even go so far as to say that newer players to Diablo 2, you are almost guaranteed to fuck your first character up. I, I will I will I will say that almost unequivocally because there is no way to respec your character. There's no way to re-roll the points that you spend. Where a lot of more modern games, especially action RPGs, have taken that tact where they give you some sort of mechanic to say like, oh, you done fucked up. Well, pay me some gold and I'll just reset all your skill points and you can redistribute them however you want or whatever. Diablo 2 did not have that at all. And so if you you know picked certain uh skills from that skill tree for your character that either just like didn't work well together or were just notably worse than some of the other ones you could unknowingly gimp your whole character build and not be able to like effectively progress into the the later difficulty levels of the game and uh because there was no re- way to reset that stuff, that just meant that you had to trash that character and start over from scratch.
0: And that's always a painful, painful feeling. Um, that wasn't necessarily the problems I really had with the game. although I, I, I again, I'll touch on this in a minute, but I, I, I do have to note that the the gap from the original Diablo because everything was really basic with with your characters in the original Diablo with the wizard and, and the rogue, and uh the warrior it was warrior right Mm -hmm. god yeah i have a brain fart okay but those three classes is they were essentially interchangeable and there was only you know very few things that you could equip between the three of them they all all had their advantage that you could tailor to they all had certain benefits too but essentially if you really wanted to make a warrior that could cast magic you could do it if you wanted to make a, a rogue that could you know dps or or be a tank you could technically do it but the the skill tree and, and the classes that provided in Diablo 2 really did establish a sense of true variety amongst your character classes. They were radically different between the five of them or seven of them if you if you have the expansion. I never played the expansion, so there is that um, because I think I just had such a bad taste in my mouth from the, the, the expansion of Diablo 1. I. I didn't like the expansion of Diablo 1 very much, so I think I had the same opinion of the uh, Diablo 2 expansion as well. But... There is a radical difference in how they approach their character classes in the second one. And that is something I definitely do appreciate with the second game as opposed to the first one.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it gives the characters uh, a real defined identity um, because to your point, like – I mean, for the record, it is cool, right? The, the three character classes from the original Diablo could all – basically learn any of the spells that you found along the way given that you put enough points into you know their uh their magic skill but like it, it, that was cool um but it does sort of dilute that a little bit so so having each class be just really good at certain things i think really establishes those very f- strong um identifying characteristics and and that's a bummer by the way about that <laughs> expansion thing for, for you because Uh, The Hellfire expansion for Diablo 1 uh, was a a third-party affair. Now, it was officially licensed by Blizzard, but it was actually done by Sierra, which is very interesting if you know anything about Sierra because they are uh, much more well-known for their uh, adventure games. But they, Uh they did the Hellfire expansion for Diablo 1, and it was okay. Um, I prefer not to ever use that when I go back and play the original Diablo because I don't think it really adds much of value in my, my personal opinion. Um, it
0: feels added on.
1: Yeah, it definitely feels like it's tacked on. Whereas Lord of Destruction is an essential part of Diablo 2. And that is not hyperbole. Um, and I, I guess that, functions as an okay segue to talk a little bit about what that really brought to the table because there is a lot um and and this is something also that i think a lot of people don't they either don't realize or you kind of tend to forget right because it has been well for lord of destruction about 19 years now i guess but basically 20 years since this game really dropped and it's easy to forget how the original d2 was um, because we're so familiar with how it's played for the last two decades. Um, y- you kind of conveniently forget that things like, uh, you know, class specific sets uh, of items or uh, runes, the, the entire rune system was not in the original game. That was something that came along with the expansion. And so, for those of you not familiar, the, the runes were these items that would drop, um, and they're typically fairly rare. And each rune had its own name and its own sort of function. And by socketing these runes into sockets on your armor, your gear, or your weapons in a specific order, you would activate what they called rune words, which basically turns that item into an incredibly powerful, like something akin to like what a unique item would be. Uh, for all intents and purposes. So like that entire system came with Lord of Destruction. So did socketable jewels, which was going above and beyond just the normal gems. The jewels could even be rare in and of themselves, which meant that they had several different modifiers on one single jewel, which was really cool. Um, In addition to that stuff, I mean, like I had mentioned in the brief history, they effectively doubled the resolution that you could play the game at, which was huge at that time. I know that sounds like, ridiculous nowadays, but going to 800 by 600 was actually a really big deal, you know, and there's a lot of quality of life improvements, like the ability to just hit a button to repair all your gear when you go to a blacksmith in town before you had to do that individually, which was a pain in the ass. Um, they effectively doubled your stash space in the game. So that's the area where you can kind of quite literally stash your items that you want to hang on to, but you're not actively using, And actually one of the biggest things outside of, you know, like the runes or jewels or things like that is the changes to the hirelings. I mentioned in the brief history that you could, um, hire these AI companions in each of the, well, original four acts to kind of accompany you, um, on your adventure, which is cool, especially if you're playing solo, kind of makes you feel like you've got somebody else there with you, but they kind of sucked in the original. Sure. And I don't know, I know you only played the original, so I don't know if you had this kind of experience with them, Chris, but well, that's why I remember playing ex- almost exclusively
0: Necromancer so I can make my own. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: that that's probably a good point, but yeah, the, the hirelings were terrible. Honestly. Um, they tended to die a lot and they, you really didn't have much control over them. Uh, they leveled up when you leveled up and you couldn't really customize them at all. They were just kind of there. uh, And they had a tendency to be dumb and just walk into the fire a lot and what have you. And so a lot of people just kind of dismissed them as kind of pointless wastes of gold. And then when Lord of Destruction came around, Blizzard was like, all right, well, we recognize hirelings are trash, so we're gonna fix this. And so when LOD came around, now hirelings, A, they follow you from act to act in the story because before hirelings were specific to the act that you were in. And so when you finished that act of the story and moved on, they did not come with you. Um, Now they do. (laughs) Right. I did read that. They had additional spells and abilities that were unique to the different act uh, hirelings and you can equip them with gear that you find and they gain experience independent of you as a player. And so, with all of that together, suddenly hirelings were like this almost essential part of the gameplay experience because you'd actually be missing out on a lot of extra like damage or, or buffs or what have you if you didn't have one with you. So that was huge. So that's a whole lot of me rambling just to basically yes. say that um, Diablo 2 as Chris experienced it was not the game as we all know it today. And I think that coupled with your uh, sort of preconceived notion of it based on your experience with Hellfire, um, kind of a bummer. I think I think you kind of got cheated a little bit out of out of the experience for this.
0: I think so. And, and I think what Shane is saying is uh, if, if you want the vanilla version of Diablo 2, you, you shouldn't go back and play that. No one would want that. And if you don't understand <laughs> that reference, just go back and look it up on your phone because you all have phones, don't you?
1: That that's right. Yep. You, you might think you want it, but you don't.
0: Yeah, you you really don't because we know you don't. <laughs> Any case, wow, that was some that was some uh, that was some deep cuts from Blizzard. But right? uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's probably why I didn't stick with Diablo 2 as long as I did because you really you go back to the part in 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 our notes with the brief history where we discussed that uh, playtesters thought it was more of the same. And I've told Shane this privately. Uh, well, not necessarily privately, just when we go off and recording, we were talking about this episode, is that if I'm going to go back and play a Diablo game, I'm not going to go back and play Diablo 2. I'm going to go back and play Diablo 1. Mm-hmm. And that's that's probably one of the reasons is I, I do like simplicity and familiarity. Now, Diablo 2 does a lot of things that I think a lot more people would enjoy. I, I know I'm in the in minority here, so I'm not going to say that my opinion is, is, is somehow an overwhelming majority opinion. And I do recognize the fact that I, I probably should open my mind more to Diablo 2 and how it's executed. More people enjoy the way that Diablo 2 is done, so I would not want to change Diablo 2 to my preference. But Diablo 2 does uh, exit Tristram and, and and does go to these other areas – like the desert and the jungle and hell and makes it more of a area rather than just another level to a dungeon and i think most people recognize that as a good thing but for me i i when i look at a game like diablo which i consider more of a rogue light or rogue like i'd probably lean more towards rogue light uh that that dungeon crawling mentality there's one dungeon you keep going down that's more my style Mm -hmm. uh so it's harder for me to go back and play Diablo 2, especially when I remember Diablo 2 as the way that you described, which is what people – like when it originally came out, it, it did – you know, the aggregate score on Metacritic is like an 89 and maybe that's why. You know, it's, it's not as high as a lot of people would probably expect with the modern interpretation of what you said Diablo 2 was.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and for what it's worth, I, I totally see where you're coming from about your preference to play the mm-hmm. first one because I, I actually feel that way as well Um, sometimes where uh, I think I've probably mentioned this at least a couple of times over the last several years that we've been doing this show, but I tend to go back and replay either Diablo 1 or 2 at, at, probably at least once a year. I That's how much I love these games. And there are times where I have exactly that viewpoint that you have, where I'm just like, you know what? I want to go back and play a Diablo, but I just, I just want to just jump in and kill shit. I don't want to have to think about what my skill tree build is going to be and like what items I'm going to have to find to make my build work the way I wanted to. I just want to fucking play. And in those moments, that's where the first Diablo definitely shines because you're absolutely right. Like you can fire up, Diablo one, you can pick a character class. I usually end up going with the rogue and you just jump in and you start killing shit and you find your loot along the way and you have a good time and you really don't have to think about it too much. And because it's a very compact experience um, and the mechanics are fairly straightforward, it is a really great game for that where you can just get in and play and not think too much. And there is definitely um, benefits to, to that approach. Now, I will say that on the flip side, when I do want to have a little bit more of a involved, slightly more nuanced experience like that, then I'll be like, all right, I'm gonna I'm a roll a new Diablo 2 character. And for the sake of complete transparency, that decision involves me first going out to the internet and looking up the character class that I wanna play and finding a build that is worth making. And that's the kind of extra legwork that I think Chris is talking about that he doesn't want to fuck with. And I, right. I totally agree with you on that one. <laughs> and I can see why you'd say that. Um, because that also circles back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, right? Is that even in Lord of Destruction, I mean, you still can't re-roll your skills. So if you build your character in a way that just sucks, you've wasted tens of hours you know, playing a character that's not going to make it much farther in the game. So you're almost required to go do homework on your character that you want to play before you even start playing it if you want to have a good chance of of success. So I can I can definitely see why that's a little bit of a deterrent.
0: So I'm going to have to ask you in the interest in the interest of consistency. Sure. Because you have said that your biggest pet peeve when playing games. Yes. Is that you have games that require to have a guide immediately turn you off
1: (laughs) okay that's fair that's fair so (laughs) the the distinction there is when i say games that require a walkthrough are something that kind of turns me off that's what i mean is something that there there are things that i might miss in the game or items i might miss or things that i wouldn't know mechanically or whatever along the way that would require me to follow a step-by-step walkthrough. Like for instance, I just finished watching Brianna, my fiance, finish playing through Majora's Mask on her 3DS, which I would never play because I'm in the camp that I think that game is not good. But last for me, there were so many times where she would just be sitting there with her tablet open, with like IGN's walkthrough of that game open constantly, because. There was really no other way to even feasibly know what the fuck she was supposed to do next. That's the kind of thing that irritates me. With Diablo 2, and I know I'm splitting hairs here, or at least it probably sounds You're, like you're
0: it. very much splitting hairs because I'm about to jump in your ass. So
1: I, I, what you say. <laughs> I figured. But with Diablo 2, the difference for me is that I can say, all right, I feel like I want to play a necromancer this time. So uh-huh. I go and I load up, you know, the diablo subreddit or you know one of the various diablo fan sites out there and i look up no no no
0: no 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 you approach this like you were going to play this game in 2000 2001 when it first came out okay if you were going in this blind if you're not going to go to a subreddit if you don't go to reddit if you're like me and fuck reddit (laughs) and i just like i'm going to play this game and i don't want to resort to a fact i don't want to resort to a guide i don't resort to a walkthrough. Go.
1: OK, um, yeah, like if if I well, you were asking me about the need to look up a walkthrough. If you're talking about that, then that's not that's apples to oranges, because I was just talking about needing no, a walkthrough it's, it's, for it's not apples to oranges or whatever the fuck.
0: It is not apples to oranges. It's okay. absolutely not apples to oh, oranges. Yeah, okay, okay, I'll, I'll let you explain yourself and I'll counter because sure. I know I interrupted you. No, so go mean, ahead.
1: That's cool. So, no, I mean, if OK, if that's the way we're approaching it, then yeah, I don't know. I guess, I guess from that point of view, um, I, I would have to kind of agree with with your your assessment of that.
0: Your your assessment using your judgment standards. What do you mean? So, the, the, okay. When I think you, you said, said like you're going to miss something or be at a disadvantage mechanically, you even said disadvantage mechanically. Yeah, if you don't ha- if you don't have a walkthrough, sure. And that 100% applies to Diablo too. I mean, it applies to a lot of these things that where you have skill trees and you can't reset them. That is that is a problem because if you invest, like you go in with the confidence that you're picking the right abilities if you don't have a fact because you really like an ability. And you really want it to be better and you don't know that that ability may be completely useless later or you missed an ability that will extremely help you out later. Mm -hmm. And it it puts you at a disadvantage and not only a a minimum disadvantage, but it it can make the game not unplayable, but unfun. And it gets to that point where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore.
1: Right. Yeah, no, I don't, okay, so I, I don't disagree with you. I, I totally see where you're coming from. I mean, you you would hit a sort of a soft ceiling on the game uh-huh. if you picked the wrong skill loadout for your character. Right. Um, and I will say I definitely did that um, back in the beginning. Uh, I, there were uh-huh. at least a couple of characters. I think the very first sorceress I ever made ended up just being trash. But I, I guess, so it, it's it's hard for me because the majority of my time and this i guess will sort of segue into the other really important aspect of diablo 2 and and pretty much all of blizzard's games at that time my experience largely was online so i played the single player game the campaign like probably once um and played it through to completion but that's kind of the thing is there are, I guess we weren't explicit about this, but th- much like the original Diablo, there's, there's different difficulty tiers where like once you finish the game on normal, you can go back and play on nightmare and then you go back and play on hell. And then you're basically just playing through the story again, but it's more difficult. You can, basically anybody can like bumblefuck their way through normal, even if you manage to pick like just awful skills you can still complete normal and see the entirety of the story. So for me, that was fine. And then the rest of my experience, and I'm not saying that this is like, I'm not defending the design decisions of the game. I'm just saying this is how my Uh experience played out, is I got through the story on normal and then I was on battle.net for most of the rest of the time because a lot of my friends were playing. And so getting in there and being able to chat with all these other players around the world and see what they were doing and getting, you know, tips and tricks on what skills to pick and how to build your character and all those things was supremely helpful. But, but you're right. Like if if you were isolated and was playing it simply as a single player game, um, and you didn't have other friends playing it or you never got online or, or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I can, I can see how you would, probably end up getting frustrated and it would take definitely some trial and error to you know figure out like a character build that was going to work well
0: and that's that's kind of the reason i bring that up is because when this game came out in 2000 2001 like a lot of people had the internet but people really weren't adjusted to how the internet would help you like find through games yes game facts existed but that was more for the very very dedicated gamer it wasn't for your casual gamer now i know pc gamers are a different breed so that's that has to be said as well so i mean was there probably a lot more understanding of the tips and the tricks of of what was going on uh back then i think so i was pretty in tune but i don't i don't i was really a hardcore gamer back then as well like i knew I was deep into it, so I don't know, but you're right. I mean, that that criticism does have to stick, that if – you know, it does lend to some frustration if you're picking a character class you really like and you get pretty far in the game and then you're like – you get frustrated because you figure out this is not the character I want to play as. These skills aren't lending themselves to my style of play. You can't go back and really try to figure something out because the game is a 20-hour game. Uh, so it does pack plenty of value, but if you can't go back, you can't fix it. And that's, and and to hear like to to reset, it's kind of like the argument that when someone says this is a really good game and, uh, but, um, if you don't think it's good, it's just because you don't understand it. And that's one of the most infuriating arguments I always hear about video games, uh, because (laughs) it's no, I get it. I get it. It's just, I don't want to deal with it. (laughs) Right. You know? It's like the, the, the Final Fantasy 8 argument. People say Final Fantasy 8 is really good. I know dipping back in the Final Fantasy 8 well, or Final Fantasy well. Surprise. Um, <laughs> that's what I do. But Final Fantasy 8, when people are like, well, it's a good game. You're just not playing it right. No, the, the fact that I'm not playing it right is not my fault. That's the game's fault. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that's not something that I need to th- adjust to the game. The game needs to be accessible to me for me to have a good time. So you can't say this game is for everybody, but they have to have a specific way they have to play it.
1: Sure. I mean, well, and so just for the sake of clarity, I I don't believe I've said that this game is for everybody. And I would actually say that okay. it's not. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And, and to your earlier point the pc gaming community um especially at that time a little less so now i think just because you know it's a lot easier to acquire like a capable pc to be able to play games um reliably and for way less money than it used to be um but the community at that time was definitely very dedicated and i think it was a slightly different breed of of player where the expectation for complexity might have been a little bit higher in some regards. And so not to say that it's excusable because for the record, I hate the fact that you're locked into your choices because if you fuck it up, you fuck it up. But Uh that was, it's kind of a product of its time in a way in, in that like, that was sort of the more, I hate to use the term because it seems so shitty, but like the more like, quote-unquote hardcore kind of shit whereas like you know you're making your character you're making these decisions that's it and you know if it doesn't work out well fuck off you better make a new character because you've committed to this and and later on down the line actually in future patches after lord of destruction came out uh blizzard kind of did some modifications to sort of help that along so they introduced something called synergies so Uh, if you know how these sort of skill tree things work, right, which I think most most folks do at this point, you have to put points into earlier, arguably less powerful skills to be able to unlock skills further down the tree later on as you level up. In base Diablo 2 and the beginning patches of Lord of Destruction, that was the case where If you if you dumped like uh, they max out at 20 points. So if you dumped 20 points into your first fucking fireball skill as a sorceress or whatever, Uh then later on down the line, you're going to be like, I wasted like 19 fucking points on this spell because they just don't scale well enough to be something that's viable in later difficulties of the game. Um, that's one of the ways that you could totally fuck yourself. And, and you wouldn't even know that intuitively, right? Like to your point, if you're playing it for the first time, or you don't have any of that outside information, you're going to be like, I don't know. I fireball is a skill that I got at the beginning of the game. And it seems useful because I can shoot flames at dudes. So I'm just going to keep putting points in it to make it better. Eventually you get to a point where you level up enough to lock, unlock skills later on down the tree that are objectively better, but all those points that you spent in, uh, in your fireball skill are effectively wasted. So the synergy system kind of helped that along where later skills in those trees would actually gain passive bonuses for the number of points that you put into previous skills in that tree. So dumping 20 points into fireball suddenly wasn't that big of a deal or it wasn't, a, you know, a, 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 wrong move because you could then know that those 20 points were actually going to give you a percentage damage bonus on a fire spell that's further on down the tree that you actually are going to use like meteor or something. So they did some things to make that a little bit less, uh, shitty, but at the end of the day, like the, the ability to re-roll those skill trees is still, I think, the most important thing, which is why things like World of Warcraft, when that came out, gave you the ability to completely reset your skill tree for a certain amount of gold because they realized the locking players into their decisions for the entirety of that character's life maybe doesn't feel great.
0: Well, it's good they, they learned to let people reset their skills. Um, was it something that carried out over into Diablo 3? Did they, did they do that with D3?
1: yeah so no actually um so diablo 3 is a completely different animal in that regard there's not really trees at all um there's yeah there's just different types of skills and then you you can swap them out pretty much anytime you want and each skill has i think six different runes associated with it which basically like you activate one for each skill and it changes how the skill works. Like it'll change the elemental damage type or it'll do something different or, or what have you, but it is nowhere near the skill tree system at all. So it, it works well enough and I, I, I still play a lot of Diablo three, so I'm fine with it, I guess, but I feel like maybe they went a little too far in the opposite direction uh, in that regard. So
0: as we, as we're kind of getting close as uh you know, we're getting long to this episode, Really quick before we, we talk about whether or not this game is held up, I just want to say, uh, let's talk about our mains. What's your main class? I think I already said mine in Diablo 2 is Necromancer. I just love the ability to create little skeleton assistants uh, at en masse to help you with your destruction and not really do much and sit back and make them do all the work because that's what the real leader does. <laughs> and that's uh, how I like to fight. Uh, That's that's my preferred method of doing things. And it's gothic. So it's edgy and cool. What about yourself, Shane?
1: Yeah, so well, so first of all, that that is colloquially known as the lagromancer back in the day, because anytime one of those summoner necromancers showed up in a battle.net game and summoned like 30 fucking skeletons, everything slowed to a crawl. So that was cool. That's Blizzard's fault. Yeah. That's Blizzard's fault. <laughs> Uh But uh, no, I have a lot of fun with that that style. Actually, just summon necromancers and then throwing curses from the background. That's cool. Uh, my main, I guess, if you want to call it that, uh, probably sorceress. Just because that was that was the first character that I had ever gotten. Uh, to really high level i have never gotten a character to level 99 which is the cap because it takes a ridiculous amount of time to grind that out i think the highest my original sorceress um ever got was i think 86 i think it was Mm -hmm. something like that but yeah i would probably say sorceress uh specifically um uh frozen orb sorceress that's fun as hell just being able to throw this ball of ice that like Spins and throws um, like icicles of death around the entire screen is just tons of fun. So, one more thing, because God, there's so much, and I know we don't want to run super long, but I feel like we haven't even really mentioned it, and it's a giant fucking part of this game. So, I'm gonna mention it real quick. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's just move right into it. Let's let's talk about it. Yeah, uh, it's the items. Uh, this is so fucking critical. So. So the, as with a lot of other things, the, the, the base of this idea was set up in the original Diablo where your loot was largely randomized, right? Like you could get blue magic items that were like, you know, the whatever fucking thunderous breastplate of the monkey or something. And those like prefixes and affixes actually meant something as far as what kind of stats would be on that item. And so those were randomly rolled, um, which led to that sort of slot machine mentality of part of the reason why this game is so fucking addictive is because everything you get could be something amazing or it could be total trash, which is also something that you see in like Borderlands is a great example and took that and ran with it with their billions of guns thing. But Diablo 2 took that and expanded on it amazingly well and while it's not perfect and i think this is actually a commentary on this game as a whole while it is not perfect it is damn good and their itemization in diablo 2 is damn good and this can be seen especially comparatively to diablo 3 where it is kind of fucking not and by itemization i mean that the balance with which these randomized items you know, were built is tuned well enough to where even a lot of end game character builds for Diablo two can totally function just fine. Or in some cases even prefer like a really well rolled yellow rare gear item over some of the, you know, uniques or set items that you would think would be like objectively better. And that speaks to just how well they, they crafted this because, Diablo three suffers in this regard in that basically rares and magic items are just total garbage. And as soon as you can replace it with a unique item, you're probably going to. And so they just become vendor trash. And so a vast majority of your loot drop tables, um, is garbage. And that's poor balance in my opinion. Um, whereas Diablo two, like I said, did a, did an excellent job of making a lot of items actually very viable. I mean, actually leading up even into like nightmare and hell difficulty, there are some character classes where you can totally get by with just a magic ring, just a blue magic ring based on what it happened to roll. Like if you're a caster and you find a blue magic ring with plus 10% faster casting rate on it, you are going to wear that fucker for like 30 levels. And in my opinion, that's good itemization. And that's part of the reason that this game has such longevity and why people are still playing it to this day, because the loot in it is just that good. And you're always chasing like those really well-rolled rare items or, you know, those really hard to find uniques or runes to make your amazing rune word gear. There's just there's so much there. And so I didn't want us to wrap this episode without at least touching on the item system
0: yeah i mean getting getting those getting those roles is extremely critical i mean you, you find those in a lot of these kind of games where you have these more unique and and specialized item sets and to know that you can find something so rare to start a normal play and play it play it forever that really makes it more focused on the gameplay than really more focused on the loot so I can understand that. Is that essentially what you're saying? Or am I way off
1: this? <laughs> Wait, were you saying that it's more focused on the gameplay?
0: Right. No, the gameplay to find the loot, uh, because you get that sweet, sweet item. So you're like, oh, maybe I can find something for like my staff or my sword or my armor or my helmet mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck.
1: Yeah. I mean, so it's all part of that positive feedback loop, right? Like the game is fun to play. That dopamine. That's, <laughs> that's right gotta, gotta get them good brain chemicals. But like the game itself is fun to play, but then yes, like the, the item system is, is balanced in such a way that you are constantly getting positive feedback from that where you could just as equally get the chance to have like a unique item drop out of a fucking random jar that you kicked open as you could dropping off of a monster or something like that. Now, of course you know, bosses have better chances to drop good loot and all that shit. But like, there's still that chance, which drives you to be thorough in your gameplay where you are, you are opening every chest, you're kicking open every jar, you are turning over every dead body, you are killing every monster, because any one of those things has that chance to give you that like gg fucking item that you have been looking for and so that's the kind of gameplay that keeps people invested for as long as people have been it's been two decades and i'm i'm still firing up you know diablo 2 to to roll a new character literally as of like two hours ago so i mean there's definitely something to be said there
0: Uh, so I, i guess that leads to my question how is that radically different than the first diablo uh
1: the depth and, and breadth of possibilities is what I will say where you get that same feedback loop in the original for sure. And I'm not discounting that at all. I mean, it's again, okay. part of the reason why I like going back and playing that one too, but it's, it's kind of, it's kind of the same thing that they did with a lot of the other systems and mechanics and, and ideas from the original in that it's kind of like it's, it's cranked up in this one to where there's, so many more possible possibilities for things that you can find and so many more cool you know uniques or or set items that give you bonuses or really great rares or stuff like that or the runes and the jewels and the like i didn't even talk about charms like that's a whole other system that came set. into lord of destruction also that you just keep in your inventory and give you passive like boosts so finding like a really awesome small charm that only takes up one slot in your inventory but gives you like a bunch of elemental resist or something is like a fucking amazing find so that i think that's the difference is that it takes what diablo did well and just blows it the fuck up and that's why people are so engaged in d2 even today
0: all right you've maybe convinced me to go back in and, and put more time into this
1: I, I will gift you a copy of lord of destruction if that means you will go back and give this a, a fair shake <sighs> Don't don't tempt me. <laughs>
0: what we're I have, all at look, home, man. Have you, you have seen, nothing but time. Have you seen my backlog? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I I know. It's probably like mine, and yet here I am playing Diablo two for like the fortieth time. God damn it! And I'm
0: about to play Final Fantasy five for like the twentieth time. Yeah. See. There um. You go. Yeah. All right. So uh, as we are want to do, haha. Got it, Shane. God damn it. At the end of our episodes, uh, we we talk about whether or not. This game, in our opinion, has held up over time. I am going to go first because, look, people, I can't really give an honest assessment about whether or not I think this game has held up. I think if you've heard this discussion over the podcast, you know that I have not played this game to completion. I I didn't initially find it jiving with me when when it came out on release. I played it as much as I could. There were cool things I did. I've tried going back probably relatively quickly soon after the game release go back and try it i just never stuck with me I, I probably haven't played this game in in a very 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 long time so when i when i say like what what it means to me I'm, I'm talking about the experience when i played it so i cannot in good faith tell you whether or not i could recommend it
1: um yeah and so again like i said that's that's completely fair like i'm, I'm not gonna like hold that against you or anything like i i, I if i were to have only played og diablo 2 and never experienced lord of destruction and everything that it brought to that game i would probably have a much harder time recommending it especially you know today which is what we're really talking about but because that expansion is you know synonymous with the game you know at this point and has been for the better part of 20 years I can very easily recommend it. And I would say that if you are a fan of action RPGs that have come later uh, down the road, whatever that might be, whether you're a Torchlight fan or Grim Dawn or like Titan Quest or, or any of those other ones that i mentioned before, I would absolutely recommend going back and trying to play uh, Diablo two. Now, are there some things that you can do to make that experience a little bit uh, more you know, smoother and maybe modernize it a little bit? Yes, and I would say I might also recommend those as well. Um, for the sake of complete transparency, I have not played stock battle.net Diablo 2 Lord of Destruction for quite some time. There is a community project out there called Path of Diablo that basically takes the last official patch of Lord of Destruction, and they've done a lot of community work on it to fix like some bugs, And to rebalance a lot of like the skills that were kind of trash. And they've added some, they've tried to keep the experience as authentic as possible while trying to improve upon it. And I personally think they've done an excellent job. And if you are interested in experiencing that, um, go look up Path of Diablo. It's really not that hard to install. You do need, you know, a legit copy of Diablo 2 and Lord of Destruction to play it. But I actually think that might be a better experience, if for nothing else. Also, just for the record, they also instituted the ability to reset your skill tree um, with one of the NPCs in the town in Act One. So that in, in itself is a huge improvement. But that's the way I've been playing it for at least the past few years. So that's a very long way of me saying that I would definitely still recommend people go back and play this now. Um, Mm -hmm. You can pick it up fairly inexpensively in most cases. And if you want to get a little bit more modern sensibilities injected into it, then look into something like Path of Diablo.
0: And I I think that also, listen, people are still playing this game today. Uh, There's a very active community for it. People are still doing it. So right there, I think that tells you that the majority of the people, the majority of people, community, the community thinks it definitely holds up because games that don't hold up don't usually have a community that can really speak to anything like that. So, yeah. sure. You know, go get your retro Diablo 2 fix.
1: Yeah, and and Blizzard is still officially supporting it by the way. Like if you don't go and, you know, play on the Path of Diablo like custom private servers, like the official battle.net servers are still up and running. So, uh, obviously, you know, Blizzard still sees value in supporting that community because it is it is definitely still there and it is thriving and you know we're we're hearing more and more coming out every day actually as we're recording this episode of the very real possibility of there being like an HD remaster of Diablo 2 and I don't know how I feel about that since Blizzard royally fucked the Warcraft 3 HD remake so <laughs> we'll see how that turns out
0: uh just go to the modding community i mean that's that's what everyone else says and they'll just fix it for them
1: right Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, that's that's like I was saying, that's basically what Path of Diablo does. It it takes the game and fixes a lot of the stuff that never officially got fixed and improves on it in some of the ways that they probably should have. So, okay, so there you have it. That's our episode on
0: Diablo 2. Once again, if you feel like we forgot anything. Or if you would want to hear us talk about something briefly in a future episode, go ahead and leave a comment on any of our social media. Uh, if you found us here, you probably know where to find us. Just look up Retro Hangover. We're everywhere on all the social medias. It's, it's really not that hard to find us. In terms of our own self-plugs, uh, there is a merch store that you could find awesome merch, and it's uh, at bit.com. Lee slash RHP merch you can get yourself a t-shirt you can get yourself a beer stein additionally you can find us on our Sunday streams that's every Sunday at nine o'clock eastern time and we are on Twitch so head on over to Twitch at that time join us in the chat our patron Lionel is always there hopefully he will tell us about the absolutely Uh, ridiculous hellfire pepper sauce that he's about to make. And (laughs) I look forward to having that on video and having a review. If I can find a way to stream that onto Twitch on one of these Sunday streams, if uh, he shares that with us, I would be absolutely delighted if he could do that. I would stream it. I would show his mouth on fire and I would love him forever for that. I love him forever anyway, because he's our patron. But that would be amazing. I think that'd be quality quality video video capturing absolutely and you can also find me personally at uh on instagram at at zodiac x-o-t-y-a-k i know it's a little bit different but that's kind of a subsidiary of the retro hangover podcast even though somehow it has more followers go figure but uh you can find me there you get you get pictures of my collection that are uh usually put up on the retro hangover podcast instagram page (laughs) As well, Shane, did I leave anything out?
1: No, I think that's about it. We mentioned the Patreon actually earlier in the episode, but uh, if that's something that you do want to check out, you can go to bitly patron and check out the different donation tiers. we Will get you access to things like our Discord or our exclusive uh, audio content and things like that. And we would love you long time for all of that uh, support. So that's about it, though. I, think. I mean,
0: Sh- Shane might love you long time. I'll just, I'll just, I'll send plutonic love. Uh, I mean, Shane can that's provide fair. the love you long time. And what we're uh, saying I, is I, that I,
1: we'll we'll just we'll cover all the bases. You, you get the whole package.
0: What Shane is saying is he'll, he'll be your thought cam girl and it will be.
1: <laughs> I will be your personal time.
0: e-girl. Yes. Yes. You can simp for him and he will not <laughs> complain.
1: Uh, well, I think on that note, um, until next time. Play with your horny faced joysticks.